Praise the Lord. We're talking about uh, verse by verse through the book of Ruth, and we are asking you to invite people to come uh, because this is a really, really good teaching. It's a great book, and we're just excited about it. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the children at this time, and I, I know that we're a little spread out tonight, so make sure you stay hooked if you possibly can. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the spirit of worship that is in this place. We honor you. We give you praise. And thank you, Father, for the word of the Lord and for utterance to be given in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. All right. So we looked at chapter 1 the last time I was here on a Wednesday night. And we will uh, begin to go through chapter 2 this evening. I want to remind you that Ruth is a book about, a book about redemption. Uh, you know, it was a powerful, powerful time in that particular time of, uh, of Israel's history. There was a lot of things going on. There was a great famine in the land. And Naomi, uh, absolutely, and Emelech left the land of Israel to go into the land of Moab because there was a famine in the land. And as a result, Elimelech lost his life. His name means God is king. Uh, they had two sons, uh, Malon and Kilion, and they both lost their lives. And so Naomi kind of woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going back to Bethlehem. It's been a tough road to hoe over here in Moab. So I'm going to go back to where I came from, and I'm going to see what God will do in my life. Now, she had two daughter-in-laws. One name, one's name was uh, Ruth, and uh, the other one's name was Orpah. And Orpah decided to stay in Moab, but Naomi, or Ruth, followed Naomi with all of her heart. And, of course, Naomi tried to talk her out of it, but she says, Look, where you go, I'm going. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And she said that your God will be my God. So understand this, that Naomi is heading back to Jerusalem, and she's a widow. Uh, she has uh, no family and, uh, and Ruth is, is uh, the daughter of a widow. I mean, their, their future looked very bleak. So let's begin in chapter 2 and verse 1. It says in verse 1, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Everyone say Boaz. Notice it doesn't say booze. His name was Boaz. The name Boaz means strength. And uh, something very interesting about Boaz is Boaz was a man of great wealth. So he was a, he was a man of, of means. And he was of the family of Elimelech. And Elimelech, remember, was Naomi's husband. Okay? So we understand then that Naomi had a kinsman. And Naomi was related to Boaz uh, through, of course, her deceased husband, Elimelech. And uh, notice with me again in verse 2, it said, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, her daughter-in-law, or no, the daughter said to the mother, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him and whose sight I may find what? I tell you what, they're in a difficult situation, and what they need is some favor. Anybody here ever been in a tough spot? 
been in a position where you just didn't know what you were going to do? Didn't know exactly what your next step was going to be? i tell you what you need. You need God. <laughs> Amen. Not only do you need God, but you need God's favor. You need His guiding hand to lead you and to direct you into your next steps. I wonder if any, ever, anybody has ever been there before. I know I have about a million times. So uh, we see here then in verse 2 and then verse 3 that I may find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. Verse 3, and then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she just so happened to come to the part of the field belonging to who? And Boaz again, who was of the family of Elimelech. So she said, now, we need something to eat. So let me go to the fields and, 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 and let me glean. Let me glean. And, and basically, uh, there was a law in Israel. It was kind of a welfare law, a lot better than the welfare laws we have in this country. Where the owners of the field, when they would go out and they would harvest the crop and harvest the fields, they were actually commanded to cut corners in their harvesting. And uh, they were always to leave something behind for people who had no means. And so that is what Ruth was up to. She said, let me go into the fields so that I may glean or so that I may pick up after the harvesters. And, you know, we don't need to take uh, time to look at it tonight, but that is found in, in Luke, the, our, uh, Leviticus, the 19th chapter. And uh, so what they would do is they would go and, you know, they'd drop a bundle of grain here and a bundle of grain there. And, and uh, you know, they would cut corners. And so there would be some left for people that had no means. And uh, so this was a great way of helping the poor. This was an awesome way. And so she set out to go into the fields to harvest. Now I want you to notice something that the scripture says, it just so happened or it happened that she went to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. This is no coincidence. This is not something that just kind of happened. Just like when you go through your life, I don't believe there are any coincidences in God. I believe that the guiding hand of God leads us and guides us every step of our way. And sometimes we are led unconsciously. You know, in the book of Psalms, uh, I think it's thirty-seven twenty-three. it says that the steps of a good man, what are they? Of steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord or they are ordained of the Lord. Okay? And He is the captain of our salvation. He is our commander in chief. And He orders our steps. Amen. I like to look at it in the New Testament in light of being new creations in Christ. I like to look at it as being led by the Spirit. In Romans 8, 14... It says, as many as are led by what? By the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now, the word sons there is mature sons of God. Mature sons and daughters of God 
lean on, rely on, listen to, take heed to the Spirit of God's leading in their lives. As many as are led. How many of you know the Holy Spirit doesn't pressure us? He doesn't force us. He doesn't lead us by compulsion. But He is a gentleman. And He leads gently by His Spirit. That is why it's so vital that you and I have a relationship with Him. That we have communion with Him. That we have fellowship with Him so that we can pick up on His cues. So that we can pick up on what He's trying to disclose and reveal and make known unto us. I got a question for you. Will the Lord make known the Father's will to you? Will He lead you and guide you every day of your life? Absolutely, He will. So I want to encourage you to pay attention to Him. And God will divinely connect you by ordering your steps and bring you into a place of wealth, of prosperity, of peace, of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. Then in 1982, Brenda and I were led by the Holy Spirit to come to California. Beyond any shadow of doubt, we were led to come to the Bay Area. We had no idea what God would do. But we simply got in our little Chevrolet Citation and headed down 35W and headed to California. Hallelujah. And we weren't the Beverly Hillbillies either. We didn't have anything in our pocket, but we had a lot in our heart. You know, if you've got faith in your heart, and you serve a faithful God, and you've been faithful at point A and point B, He will see to it that even though you don't have anything in your hand, if you've got something in your heart, it won't be long before He provides for you. Do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? Oh, glory to God. He led us right here to the San Francisco Bay Area. Me from Minneapolis, Brenda from Oklahoma, had been married since 1977, had been in full-time ministry since 1977. We were in transition. We just didn't actually have an exact word from God. But how many of you know you can have a prompting from God and He can lead you and get you in the right path and head you in the right direction? I'm telling you, it takes faith to walk with the Lord. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And to, to make a long story short, just by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we got here, I believe it was in May of 1982, in June of 1982, we were just driving down 880 or 17 at that time, the Nimitz Freeway. We had been in a church teaching and preaching to some drug addicts. And I said to Brenda, I said, let's stop by that church in San Leandro that I preached at in February. And she said, okay, we'll do. So we stopped there. And I'll tell you what, God divinely connected us with Pastor Nancy and some other people that were there. Their pastor had just resigned, I think the week before, and they were looking for a pastor. Glory to God. And I tell you, just a couple of weeks later, we said yes to the will of God and yes to the plan of God. And on July 4th in 1982, we became pastor of this wonderful church. 
simply by following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Not because we're something, but we serve a God who is something. Not because we're great, but we serve a great big God. Hallelujah. Who's got our number. Who's got our address. He knows us from A to Z. And He knows you from A to Z. He knows how to hook you up. He knows how to connect you to the right job. He knows how to bring you to the right place. He is God, you know. He is faithful, you know. And He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He's got divine connections for you. Last night, after we got home from church and and uh, after we had gotten something to eat and gotten home, and, and just in my spirit, I just felt an anointing on me. And I said, honey, I said, we got to pray. So we went into the bedroom and we laid down and And we just started praying in the Spirit and praying in the Holy Ghost instead of watching TV. You know, that's a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with TV, but if TV trumps praying, you better get rid of the TV or whatever. But we just started praying in the Spirit and praying in the Holy Ghost. And we're praying about quite a few things. But one of the things we're praying about was doors of utterance. We're praying about divine connections and divine hookups. Things that God is going to do for you. Things that God is going to do for this church. And things that God is going to do for Brenda and I individually. I believe that you can pray your future out here now. And as you pray in the Holy Ghost, He provides a way. He makes a way in the wilderness for you. And I just kept praying. And we were praying about doors of utterance, Lord. Doors open, open, open. Lord, open the doors. Open the doors of employment for people in the church. Glory to God. Lord, open up the doors for supernatural, glorious connections with people that are Christians, that were once Muslims, but now are Christians. I'm telling you, this Bay Area needs to hear the word of the Lord. And we are thankful for what has happened thus far. But I'm telling you, there's mucho, mucho more. There's much, much more. Everyone shout doors. Doors of utterance. Doors of employment. We call it in in the name of Jesus. We call in that which is needed to do the will and to do the plan of God. And you got to believe that. you got to believe that God's got a plan for your life. And that He's got divine connections for you. Yes, you. Amen. Well, anyhow, that's good preaching. Now, verse 4 through 7, it says, Now behold, Boaz came forth from Bethlehem. Remember, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, said, The Lord bless you. You know, it's a good thing when the boss gets along with the people that are working for him. It's a good thing when there's a a, a mutual respect. Then verse 5 says, Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Boaz was not aware of who she was. And so the servant was in charge of the reapers, answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Amen. And then in verse 7, And uh, she said, Please... Let me glean and gather after the reapers. 
among the sheaves. So she came. Now notice this. She continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. She was poor, wasn't she? But you know what? She wasn't lazy. It's one thing to be poor, but it's another thing to be poor and lazy. Just a thought. And so the the Lord shows us something of her heart and shows us something of her character. The the workers were impressed with her. Okay? You know, you can often tell the character of a person by how they present themselves, what kind of a work ethic they have. Okay? And uh, she goes to Boaz and, and she asks properly and asks kindly, to gather in his field, okay? And the guys around her and the people that were around her saw her work. We could say, in one sense, she was under inspection. How many of you know that what you do in life is a witness? It's either a witness for good, for God, or it's a witness for bad. How we conduct ourselves in the marketplace... What kind of diligence we exercise when we clock in. How we carry ourselves with the world in paying our bills. How we walk in integrity. Come on, somebody. It says a lot. You know, people are watching you. But above that, God is watching us. And my Bible says that he's got eyes. Did you know that God's got eyes? And the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. For what? To show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Amen. And there's times you don't know it. There's times you're not aware of it. But people and the Lord are inspecting. I believe that God's inspecting the troops. I believe that there's a time of promotion coming for those who have been faithful. Faithfulness is a key for promotion. You know, didn't Jesus say, you know, if you're faithful in that which is little, I'll make you ruler over much. There's just something about the seeds that you and I sow every day of our lives that positions ourselves for promotion. In Proverbs 28, 20, it says this, that a faithful man is going to abound. What's he going to abound in? The faithful man is going to abound in blessings. I think there's a lot of people that want the blessings, but they're not very faithful. But thank God, not you. Thought I'd get a better amen than that. Thank God, not you. Not me. Say it real strong with me. I am the faithful. So be faithful in what God tells you to do. Be faithful in the little things that He instructs you to do. And you will position yourself, glory to God, for promotion. You know, I think about a man of God that has influenced my life throughout the years. You know, I got born again in 1975. I was in a treatment center. You know, I was a heroin addict and... I was a person that was an alcoholic. You know, it was quite a revelation to me when I got into the treatment center and they told me I couldn't drink anymore. 
Because compared to using heroin and cocaine and smoking pot and smoking, you know, hash, I mean, just living that way for so many years, I mean, Heineken and wine was just like water. And, you know, they said, sorry, you are chemically dependent, boy. And alcohol's a drug. It was a revelation to me that alcohol was a drug. I just thought it was, you know, something you did as a chaser, you know. It was, it was enlightening to me. I remember going home to my parents. I was, oh gosh, I think I must have been 74. So it was before my 24th birthday. So it was 23. It was October of 1974. I went home to my parents' house and I was completely addicted, had a bad habit and, and everything like that. And they tried to get me into Hazelden, you know, where all the movie stars go and try to get me into the best places they possibly could. And they wouldn't take a heroin addict that had not yet been detoxed yet. So the only place it would take me was a state institution, a state hospital. And back in those days in Minnesota, a state hospital was a place where they brought the people that had all sorts of challenges. (laughs) Not just chemically dependent, but, I mean, people that were there for life. You understand? And uh, we don't want to go into that because we want to honor and we want to respect those that have had severe mental issues. Amen? But um, it was scary. It was extremely scary. You know, I thought I had devils when I went in there, which I did. But I must have picked up a few more by just being in that atmosphere. It was pretty, sp- it was pretty scary. But anyway, you know, uh, so they're telling me now. Now, now Mark... Uh, we're going to take you to a state hospital in the morning. Uh, and it's, it's a big campus. So I'm thinking University of Minnesota, you know. I'm thinking going down to University Avenue, having a few beers, you know, doing some other things. And, and there's big cottages there. I'm thinking, yeah, cottages. See, my folks, they had a place in Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin was just, oh, about a two-hour drive from Minneapolis, Twin City area. And my dad was born in northern Wisconsin, and they bought a lake home there, and beautiful place, pine trees, just absolutely gorgeous. So I'm thinking, you know, cottages, lake homes, speed boats, you know. <laughs> what an eye-opener. Wow. Cottages. I'm talking about, this was an institution. And, uh, whoo! And the cottages were these great, big, old cement buildings where they had like six or seven beds in one room and they woke you up at 6 a.m. I mean, I didn't even go to bed till 8 a.m. You know? Get up! You're going to AA! Okay, right on, bro. But I was completely out in left field. And God, by His grace and by His goodness, saved me and delivered me and set me free from the state hospital. Hallelujah! And I'll tell you what, if He did that for me, I know that there's no crack addict, there's no person who's in the depths too low that God will not raise up. I know it for a fact. I have been there and God has removed that from my life. And what He's done for one, He will do for others. 
So you folks that have relatives that are living in rebellion, maybe smoking crack, maybe doing this, maybe doing that, don't you give up on them because as long as God is on the throne and He's there forever, there is hope. My parents were Catholics. My mom prayed the rosary for me. You know, if God will answer a rosary prayer, prayer, you'll answer your prayers. So anyway, I'm saved and it wasn't wise, you know, to go back to the Twin City area. And I was 100 miles outside of the cities uh, in a little town by the name of Wilmer, Minnesota. And so I decided to stay there and work there and live there. And then there came a man of God out of a Bible school by the name of Jim Caseman who was burning strong with the word of faith. And he was teaching and preaching things that, quite frankly, I'd never heard before. How many have ever had that aha moment? Where you didn't know that was in the Word. But all of a sudden, that Word, glory to God, that was on the coffee table all those years at your home, that Word came alive. And the reality of my redemption started burning in my spirit. I'm telling you, those early days, the truth of God's Word just branded me forever. But there's something about Jim Caseman, and really still is, but there was something about him, is he always promoted the Word. And he was faithful to promote the Word. And as he promoted the Word, the Word promoted him. So I said all of that, and it's kind of a long story, to say this. That as you are faithful... Your faithfulness will not only bless you, but it will make a way for others. So it's 1976, and I, I'm feeling a stirring in my heart, right? How many of you ever had a stirring in your heart? You've got to obey the stirrings in your heart. And I had a stirring in my heart to move to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Never been to Oklahoma in my life. But I had a stirring in my heart to go to Broken Arrow. To go to a Bible school by a gentleman who started by the name of Kenneth E. Hagin. And Brother Caseman had gone to that school, and I could see what God was doing in his life. And you know what? You get around certain people that have something, you want what they got. Am I right or not? You want what they... And I want what he had. I want what... I wanted what he had. So, I'd like to say I loaded up my car, but I didn't have a car. I'd like to say I loaded up my clothes, but I didn't have many clothes. But I had faith in my heart. And God was leading me. And God was guiding me. So I went down to Broken Air, Oklahoma and checked into this funky looking apartment. No furniture. Just a chaise lounge with a few dishes and that's it. But there was a place down there that Brother Caseman had worked for called Semco. It was Custom Engineering Manufacturing Company. And he had worked so diligently two years before, he worked 10, 12 hours after getting out of school at 12 noon. And he was the type of worker because he grew up on a farm. He worked well with his hands. I mean, he got the job done and he was highly praised of the owners there. So because of his diligence and because of his excellence and his faithfulness, Anybody that he recommended to have a job, got a job. Whether they, knew what a, whether, whether they knew what a hammer was or not. 
I barely knew what a screwdriver was. But I got a job because of the faithfulness of someone that went before me. Amen? And so, faithful in the little things will position you for promotion. Amen? And so, Ruth is faithful. She's a good testimony out there. I mean, they're noticing what's going on in this girl's life. You know, she's poor, but she's not lazy. All right, now look at verse 8 and 9. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen now, my daughter. Will you not? I guess so. Do not go to glean to another field, nor go from here. Now notice, but stay close by my young women. Verse 9. And I'm reading from the New King James. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap. Go after them. Stay close to the young women. Have I not commanded even the young men not to touch you? You know, boys will be boys. And he said, I want you to stay by the young women. And I'm commanded those young men to not touch you. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So here's some things that we want to want to talk about tonight a little bit. She said, he said, stay close uh, to the young woman. Why? Because they will take care of you. There will be companionship. There will be fellowship by this connection of relationship. Listen, friends, I believe that everyone in the local church needs fellowship and needs relationship. And we could preach on that for a while, but we don't have time. And then he said, now, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to go to another field. Don't glean there. Now, you'll find companionship among the young women. And this speaks to us of protection. And then he says, I've commanded the young men not to touch you. And by the way, when you get thirsty, go get yourself something to drink. Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. We will look at that more detailed next week. But Boaz is setting her up. Boaz is protecting her. And listen, friends, she's in the right place. Come on now. She's in the right place at the right time. She's not out dilly-dallying around in Moab. She's not on the street trying to sell her body. She's doing the very best that she can to obey the Lord, to be in the right place at the right time, which equaled for her companionship and also protection. But also, he said, go take a drink when you need it. That speaks to us of refreshment. So friends, when we're walking with God and we're doing the best we can in God, We have fellowship with Him. We have fellowship with one another. But I tell you what, we're also protected. I said we're also protected. And not only that, when we sell out to the Lord, there's times of refreshing for us. You know, the Master said, Ho, everyone that thirsted, (laughs) come on, let them come unto me and drink. And so Boaz is setting her up. 
Okay? She obeyed. Everyone say, she obeyed. And she was protected. And she was provided for. And she was refreshed. Isaiah 119 says this. If you be willing, and what? If you, how about back there? If you be willing, and what? How about over here? If you be willing, and what? Now all together. If you be willing, and what are you going to eat? Leftovers? Scraps from the master's table? No. You are going to eat the good of the land. I got to get tuned up tonight. Come on, somebody help me a little bit. I'm preaching in a big camp meeting tomorrow night out in Pittsburgh, California. I'm, I'm trying to get tuned up, trying to get ready. Glory to God. Shandala Mahaya. Glory to God. I mean, this pastor, Anthony Blackman, Pastor Blackman, he was here. He's a guy who preached on tithing and came up with that HBO revelation. Help a brother out. I'm telling you, that guy is so anointed. When he prays, his prayers could last 45 minutes, and I'm not kidding. And out of his heart just flows the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Word, the Word, the Spirit, the Spirit. And I'm up tomorrow night, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm thinking, help me, Lord. Help a brother out, Anthony. Maybe you should preach. I mean, Mario's preaching there tonight, another prophet preached there, and then me. Woo, Shonda! So, so anyway, so I've been in the cave just getting, I'm telling you what, it's going to be Machine Gun Thomas tomorrow night. I'm going to preach on the glory. I got me a ton of scriptures, but I'll guarantee you, if I ever get the mic... Anyway, anyhow, so you pray for me tomorrow night. And if you're in Pittsburgh, not Pennsylvania, but California, come on out. Just prepared to stay a while. Glory to God. All right. If you be willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. When we obey, we become people that are in the right place. At the right time. You know, it's real important for us to say that in this day, in this hour. Matter of fact, let's, let's practice it right now. You know, we're teaching on the power of words Sunday morning, right? And uh, the power of our words are so valuable. So let's say this together. I'm always, I'm always in, the right place in the right place at the right time. Say it two more times. I am always in the right place at the right... One more time. I'm always in the right place at the right time. Mm-mm-mm. So we see then Boaz is extending his kindness to her. Verse 10 through 13 now. New King James. So she fell on her face, bowed to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found... Everyone say favor. In your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. She's from Moab. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth. This is a real commitment. And you have come to a people 
whom you did not know before. Now notice this. The Lord will repay your work and give you, oh hallelujah, a full reward. The Lord repay you, Boaz. Now understand this. Boaz is a wealthy man. And he is a, he is a conduit. He is a, a vessel, if you will, for the Lord to use in her life. And he is speaking words that are filled with faith. And words that he intends to back up. He's her kinsman redeemer. He is a type of Christ. Our redeemer. And he said, look, the Lord repay you for your work. And a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now that verse alone, let's keep it up there. That will preach for ten weeks. There are three R's that I want to talk to you about tonight. The Lord will repay, reward, and will be your refuge. Say it with me. The Lord will repay. He will be my reward. And He will be my refuge. Woo, glory to God. I said glory to God. He said you have left Everything to follow the God of Israel. And Jesus said there's no man that has left father or mother or lands for my sake and the gospels. Which he shall not receive what? A hundredfold. Now notice, now in this time. Listen friends, there is a payday coming as a result of her obedience. And you might be in that same situation. You may have left it all for the kingdom of God. And for the glory of God. And up to this point you haven't seen anything. But the Lord is the Lord of reward. He is a Lord of recompense. I'm telling you what. In a day he can turn things around. We've seen it happen for Pastor Tom. We've seen it happen for Brother Raul. We have seen supernatural debt cancellation. God recompenses. God repays. God rewards faithfulness. Come on, somebody. My Bible says that He is a rewarder of those who casually seek Him. No, my God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him day and night, night and day, seven days a week. Be diligent and He will reward you. And you know, when He rewards you, it is beyond anything that man can do. It may come through man. It may come through many sources. But when He rewards you, And He opens up the windows of heaven for you. Watch out. You're going to be overtaken in a blessing. And something is about to happen to Ruth in these next chapters that will literally cause you to get on your feet and dance or shout and get real happy. Amen. 
Now we could say it this way. She found, what did she find? She found favor. But not only that, he said, now look at, not only are you going to be rewarded and repaid, but God is going to be your refuge. Look with me in verse 12 again. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. Read the rest with me. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. Say that again. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now let's look at a few scriptures about refuge. Turn back to Psalm 17.8. This is a beautiful picture. The imagery of this is, is probably that of a tiny bird snuggling under the wings of a foster mother. It gives us a picture of trust. And it gives us a picture of security. In Psalm 17, and we look at verse 8, and uh, I'll wait till you get it up there. Look at this with me. He said, Now keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under what? Listen, there's refuge under his wings. Keep me. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Now, turn to Psalm 36 and verse 7. Repay, reward, and refuge. Psalm 36, verse 7 says, How precious is your love and kindness, O God! Therefore, the children of men put their trust, where? Under the shadow of your wings. All right, one more. Psalm 63, verse 7. She's found favor. And in that favor, she has found abundance. She's found a place of refuge. She's found a place of safety. In Psalm 63, verse 7, it says, Because you have been my help, therefore, now notice, in the shadow of your wings, what will I do? Glory to God. In the shadow of His wings, we can rejoice. Now let's turn over to Psalms 91. We'll close there tonight. And there's just this subject is just way too big just to hurry through. And, and, and so we want to we want to slow down and just rejoice that He's our refuge tonight. Rejoice that He's our recompenser. Re- rejoice that He is our abundant provision and our abundant reward. And so I think it'd be a great place to to look at Psalm 91 tonight and and just look at some scriptures there. Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under what? Under the shadow of the Almighty. So we see here that in Him there's a place that is secret. It is a place that is inaccessible to the enemy. It is a place where no evil will befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. The secret place of the Most High is a place that is inaccessible to harm, inaccessible to demon spirits. It is a place where no weapon formed against us prospers. And the Bible says that you and I have the privilege to dwell there. And the word dwell means to abide. It could read this way, he who abides 
in the secret place of the Most High. That secret place is a place of His presence. That secret place is a place, glory to God, where accidents will not overtake you. That secret place is a place where violent people will not be able to attack you. That secret place is a place where bombs will not be able to penetrate your dwelling. That secret place is a place where terrorists or terrorism cannot touch you. That secret place is a place where nothing of the wicked one can touch you or penetrate you. But it becomes your responsibility and my responsibility to dwell there. And as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, the the word Most High there is El Elyon. And El Elyon means the Most High God. In other words, there's nothing higher, there's nothing better, there's nothing greater. He's the most high. See, the devil's the most low. But we were removed from his territory and raised up together and made to sit together with the most high in heavenly places. Now, the most low will try to bring you down again, but you just stay in the secret place of the most high. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can then abide now under the shadow or under the protection. Now notice of the Almighty. Almighty there is Shaddai. So listen to this. The Most High starts bumping into El Shaddai. They're one and the same. You abide under the Shadow of El Shaddai, the all-powerful one, the one who said to Abram, I'm more than enough. And he is, you know. He's more than enough to protect you. He is your refuge. Verse 2. I will say... See now, words. Everyone say words. I will say of the Lord, say it with me. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my protector. And I trust you. Look at verse 3. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. R.W. Shambach said the devil's called the fowler because he's always trying to foul things up. But he will deliver you from his trips, tricks and traps. And from the perilous pestilence. Just go right down, guys, as we read the rest of this verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will take refuge. His word shall be your shield and buckler. Verse 5. You will not need to be afraid of the terrorists by night. Nor of the arrow that flies by day. No drive-by is going to befall your babies. Verse 7. 
nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Read this with me. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near me. Continue on. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling, for He shall give His angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. That's God being a refuge to you. And dear friends, be like Ruth. Be faithful. Be obedient. Leave the Moabs. Moab's got nothing for you. The Hittites, the Philistines, all the Jebusites, all of the ancient enemies of Israel, their descendants are around today. They're just in different forms and in different ways. They're idols of the land. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, outside of marriage. All those things, listen, have no place for you and have no, nothing in common for a believer. You may not believe this, and maybe you're new tonight, and maybe this is something that you're hearing for the first time. But listen, friend, God's got something so much better for you than this world has to offer. I tasted of the world. I partook of the world. And when I met my wife, and when I met Jesus, life went up to a higher level and just keeps going higher and higher and better and better every day. The world's got nothing to offer us. Amen? So be like Ruth. Be faithful. God will reward you. Amen? And He will be your refuge. Is that okay for you tonight? Let's thank Him for His Word. Father, thank You tonight for the Word of the Lord.